0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name
1: is Chris Bartley, And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry.
0: We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything.
1: And as dim as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every youth minister has. Why did I say youth minister? Every ministry leader has. There you go.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I'm not even gonna comment on it. Knock, knock. (laughs) Who's there? Dwayne. Dwayne who? Dwayne, the tub. I'm drowning. Did
1: you see me mouth that with you? Because yes, know totally. <laughs> you but you were totally, drowning. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're totally say, drowning. You were totally
0: drowning there, say buddy. say That
1: joke all the time.
0: It's my favorite <laughs> knock knock <laughs> joke. It's okay to have favorites. I it guess is. not. Not with your children. Is it okay to have favorite children?
1: I think it's. Uh, I don't know. Like you're not allowed to actually tell people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I have children that I'm like I, I'm in a groove with. You know what I mean? Like I'm yep. close to, and different ones rotate into that role. But there's also children that I'm like totally disconnected with at times. You know, maybe one's easier to spend time with, but I love them all.
1: Yeah. You like different kids for different things, too. Like, this is my favorite kid to do this with.
0: Sure. Good. Okay. So, dad guilt aside, Matt, welcome. <laughs> yeah, like
1: a I, random segue. I, has nothing <laughs> wanna, to do with our
0: topic. I know. I want to let you know something that happened today. Please. So, my children, they made me breakfast. All right. Which uh, is always kind of cool and fun or whatever. So. Literally like 35 minutes ago, right after staff prayer ended, I'm sitting there eating my breakfast and uh, and they made me a glass of chocolate milk and I'm drinking the chocolate milk when one of them runs to the window right behind me, opens it up and says, wait, dad, stop. Oh, I know. And so so I stop and they're like, the milk has gone bad. Now, I had already taken a gulp or two of the milk down. I didn't notice. So you couldn't tell. Right. Because when you toss enough sugar in this and, and it's good to go. So um, so was it
1: like bad, bad? Or was it so my kids, they'll say it's bad just because it's past the date. Like not that it tastes bad or not that it smells bad or anything.
0: As my wife poured down the milk, she noticed some of the stuff growing on the side. You know how it just gets thicker as it starts to get go bad? So, like, were chunks coming out of it as she dumped it down? She, there, were, there were no chunks coming out of it, but there was um, the growth, the milk growth on the side. Like, it had started to spoil.
1: I don't know if that
0: necessarily means milk's bad.
1: It's pasteurized. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, first of all, I, in my house, <laughs> that never happens to milk. <laughs> we go, Like, I send my oldest son um, to the store to get four gallons of milk, like, every three days. Wow. Like, we go through a ridiculous amount of milk. Now, most of it is because of my 17-year-old son just sure. guzzling half a gallon a day. But yeah, I'm not sure if, like, if, because in a cup, like, you have a cup of milk and you set it in the fridge for a little while, um, and then you go to take it out, you've got this little milk ring around the top. I don't think that means it's bad. Is that what you're talking about?
0: No, that that's fat. No, no. But imagine that milk ring is now all the way around the side. Like, it's 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 grown.
1: Okay. I still think if you could choke
0: it down, it's still good. <laughs> I that that's a little bit of how I feel because it's pasteurized. So even if it's spoiled, it's still not, it's still not bad for you. It's not going to be poisonous or anything like sure. that. But neither, neither here nor there. Moving along, the <laughs> reason why I bring this up is because drinking a spoiled milk and it tasting just fine, uh, you, you don't know. You're like, you're drinking, you're drinking this chocolate milk and you're like, oh, this is sweet. This is cool. That's kind of how I feel about this meme that someone posted. And that's going to be our segue into our topic. Are you ready? All
1: right. Yeah, let's see. What's, what is this meme?
0: So someone posted a meme of a, of a kid playing baseball, and it said there is a 0.0296% chance your child will become a professional athlete. Okay. There is a 100% chance your child will stand before Jesus. Get them to church. Okay. And initially you're like, well, that makes sense and that's pretty cool. And yeah, my kids probably aren't gonna become professional athletes. Sports are more important than church, right? It's kind of the gist of it. But when you start digging deeper into it, you start to realize like the the, the milk here is a little bit spoiled, right? Okay. Because Because why are my kids in swim team this summer? Like, why did we sign them up? Did we sign them up because we want them to become a professional athlete?
1: Probably not. No, we wanted- You you signed them up to get them out of the house and give them some exercise and so they'll learn how to swim.
0: Exactly. So the point of athletics is not necessarily to become a professional athlete, right? Yeah. But there is in ministry, this tension between athletic commitments and uh, religious commitments.
1: And there's this thought that anything that's not- religious is not teaching them how to be Christ you know or how to be a christian or how to be a good human
0: well and i think the the, the spoiled part of that kind of reality also kind of implies that jesus is only present at the structures that the church has built. Yep. And that is not the case. Like Jesus went to my soccer games, Matt, when I was in high school. Yeah. And I was I was the okayest soccer player ever. <laughs> you know? And I know you were a collegiate athlete. Kind of like, kind of like we're the okayest dads. <laughs> yes. Okayest <laughs> dad of the year. Yeah. And so like I know you went on to collegiate athletics, right? Yep, with yep. with with your swimming and things like that. So you reached a new level.
1: Jesus was still there.
0: Jesus was still there. He was he was a fan in the stands. But even when you were playing pickup basketball, which you did not go to college to play. Nope. Jesus was still like, hey, I gave that guy, that Matt Rice, I gave him his body and he's using it to do a jump shot. Yep, He missed, but oh my gosh, he's using it. You know, like that's one of the reasons why he gave him the body is so he could. Recreate or recreate who he is by using the gifts he's been given. Like that's a beautiful reality that kind of gets forgotten, undermined, or slanted against when we, as ministry leaders, implicitly resent athletics. Yeah, in in contexts such as these.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like we we tend to see it as a competition. um, With that, we we see how much young people are willing to invest. Young people and their parents are willing to invest in sports and how little like from our perspective they're willing to invest in christ or in the church or in religion or whatever you want to call it in their faith and we we tend to get jealous of that in a way and then we think oh well what are we doing wrong how can we fix that how can we replicate what sports has in what we're doing in ministry
0: so I'm going to name the things that lead to my bitterness. I'm not angry at sports. I'm actually hurt, right? Because when a parent comes to me to complain about a $50 registration fee for faith formation, but they don't flinch when it comes to uh, $120 paracletes, plus all the other equ- pieces of equipment for their athletics, plus the registration fee, like they're willing to. I've spend- them spending a $1,000 a year. On sports per sport, that's what I would say. Some of these youth are in a couple. They don't, they don't flinch at that.
1: I don't even think twice about it. Like I'm not. uh, It's not an us versus them. I don't think twice about it.
0: But but a retreat that the church subsidizes that costs $150 per person, and we are charging the youth $115 per person to help cover some of the costs. Then all of a sudden, I'm getting complaints from parents.
1: I can't afford that.
0: Like that that frustrates me.
1: I don't believe you.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) I see, I see the iPhone X in your hand or in your son or daughter's hand and their car is better than mine. And you're going to complain about $115 fee. And granted there's situations where the economics are so, and we want to make accommodations for that reality, but I see anyway, so there's a priority in spending and stewardship that frustrates me. Yep. Right. There's also, I am hurt when the commitment level to church is almost like, well, I have to, so let's do the bare minimum. Yep. But when it comes to their child's athletics, they're like, well, if you want to get some extra coaching in regards to this aspect or that aspect, we'll get you some extra help. And they're willing to invest or over-invest in kind of that reality. That hurts.
1: Well, and not only that, but they will... I will go out in the yard with my kid and throw the ball with him so he gets better at that sport. Right. You know, or go shoot with him and challenge him a little bit to help them get better at that sport. I'll have them perform in the house to practice. I'll practice with them in the house that sport. And that's not something that, that parents typically do with regards to the faith at home.
0: Correct. And in all fairness, I have been to your home. There's religious art, there's crucifixes in the rooms and and things like that. So you can tell that you guys are Catholic. But there was also this mushroom looking thing in the middle of your living room. Yep. And I'm like, Matt, what is that? Matt has a son that is phenomenal at gymnastics. And so he calls his son down and says, show Chris what to do. And all of a sudden the kid starts doing it like I don't even know what it was called, but he was yeah. doing these things on it and he was just making magic happen. It was unbelievable.
1: For those of y'all that know gymnastics, his pommel horse stuff. It's a, it's the pommel horse mushroom. And yeah, he's spinning around it like crazy, doing flares, all kinds of stuff, um, Russians and stuff like that, which is just a lot of fun to see.
0: But your house had these pieces in it to reflect both those realities. And Absolutely. I think that's okay. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and every time before a competition, my wife and I pray over our kids. Um, that they glorify God and that they that they exercise the gifts and the talents that they've been given, and then like with that same kid, I'm I do what we call it donuts and dogma with dad. Last Friday, you know, we went to mass at eight fifteen in the morning. I took him out to a donut shop and we sat and you know went through the catechism specifically on some topics that I wanted him to learn on, you know, and so we're we're practicing that at home. Anyway, that's a random segue, but so there's, there's both, it's both. And, you know, both are important in the formation of my child.
0: But me as a ministry leader, I hold a little bit resentment because I see parents investing only in the sports side of things. And that hurts because I see that you're, you are capable of investing in your child. And I've asked some of these things and I get messages back saying, do we have to do this? Which are basically coded ways for saying, what's the least we can do to move this thing forward? Mm -hmm. And it hurts me as a ministry leader. And so some of these different posts are memes that kind of indicate, like, I am frustrated that people are more faithful to their child's athletics than they are to their child's faith formation. When at the end of time, one does matter significantly more than the other. But what I'm hearing from you and what I want all of us to hear is actually, I think that Jesus can utilize athletics in powerful ways to be moments where they grow and live out their discipleship in powerful ways. So we we were in swim team this summer, as I mentioned. My daughter wanted to get time improvements. That's the goal, time improvements, time improvements. And in the last three meets, she didn't get time improvements. She literally tied her time, 0.00 seconds plus or minus on one of her things, and I was just like, oh, just one other for the second faster, she would have had it. So she comes to me and she goes, I don't think I'm good at swim team. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I said, well, how do you define good at swim team? Why do you think God called you to swim team? And she goes, to to get better. And I didn't get better. And she was frustrated. And I said, but what if God brought you here, not so you could be the best athlete here, but so when you're in the pit waiting for your next event, that you could reflect God's love to some of the people in the pit. And then she said, I actually did make two good friends this summer at the swim team. And she shared the fact that God had utilized her being in athletics as a way for her to live out her relationship with Jesus Christ by sharing that with others. And I think that that perspective is sometimes lost because evangelization, we absolutely need people in sports so that we can evangelize people in sports.
1: Like, it just makes me think, what would Jesus do? What what did Jesus do with, with regards to stuff like that? Did he yell at people because of where they were or did he meet them where they were? Why don't we meet them where they are? Why don't we have a program or some sort of, not a program, but like a session on athletics, like how to glorify God through your athletic sport? Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen that as a workshop for parents or for young people ever.
0: I haven't either. I think that's an amazing idea.
1: But then also like parents need help driving their kids to and from events um, you've got sports events, you've got practices and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that we become a taxi service or anything like that. But what if we were to coordinate something where we had volunteers to help parents drive kids to and from sports? And in that car, like in that time, you're developing relationships with these kids that are part of your program or whatever. And and you're leaning into and you're finding more about the sport they love. And then maybe later you've developed enough relationship to talk to them about how that reflects God's love and how how it reflects God, you know, whatever. So lean into it is what I'm what I'm saying. Instead of yelling at it and being mad at it, like find a way to lean into it.
0: Right. And I think that there's something powerful about, and you mentioned meeting them where they're at. We had a discipleship group that I led, and Matthew kept missing because he had uh his basketball team was moving on to the playoffs and he kept missing because they had extra practices. And so once a month we would do a social event. And on that social event, we decided instead of going out and getting hamburgers or something like that, we as a group, were going to go watch Matthew play basketball. So we actually took it up and we all got in a vehicle and we watched him play basketball and it was awesome. But at the same time, it was a little bit heartbreaking because Matthew actually only played for three minutes of that entire basketball game. He wasn't <laughs> one of the best players or whatever. But the thing is, is he was just blown away that his brotherhood, the discipleship group came to him. Yep. And I think that's one thing that sports give us an opportunity because we don't do well at celebrating youth enough, or we don't do well about celebrating those that we serve. And so if you're serving adults and they have a softball team they're a part of, it's okay to go and uh, and, and watch them and celebrate them as well. There's an incarnational reality that is provided or afforded us. Um, the last thing with the meme, there's a point 0.0 Two, nine, six percent chance your child would become a professional athlete. Someone commented on that and said, it's like Catholics saying that there's a point zero, 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 three, seven percent chance of Catholics becoming canonized saints. Wow, but anyone can go to a park to throw a frisbee. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and so the same thing is true. Like our goal is not necessarily to be recognized as the best of the best. Our goal is to get to heaven and to get others to heaven. Our goal is to love God and to help others know God's love. And that doesn't need a a holy card to make that a reality, yeah. There are literally millions upon millions of uh, saints that have not been formally recognized by the church through the process of being canonized. Um, But nevertheless, we still seek to strive to get everyone in a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: A lot of the struggle with the sports versus faith issue or whatever tension, it's just so indicative of where we are with regards to discipleship and evangelization. You know, the young people or people are bought in to what it means to be a disciple of baseball or whatever. Like, this is what it means to be a baseball player. I do this, 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 and that. What does it mean to be a Catholic? Do they actually know what that means? And have they fallen in love with the person <laughs> of Jesus and then wanted to be his disciple? Like, and so, that, like, for us to complain that all these non-disciples aren't coming back Duh, like all these people, like if you take the same analogy and just think about baseball and these these people who were never taught what baseball is, never learned how to throw a baseball, they were put through maybe a couple of classes and then told you're a baseball player. They are going to hate that. Like that sport, because they don't know what it is. They don't know why they're doing it. They don't have any fun doing it.
0: They don't feel welcome, and they feel like they're out of place when they're out on the field because everyone else knows how to lace up and catch a fly ball, and they're playing dodgeball out there because they don't want to get hurt by the fly ball.
1: Or if we want to continue with this analogy, the coaches don't know what baseball is all about. They don't They don't know like what the sport's all about or why they're playing it. They don't know how to teach people how to play the sport. And then you have very few other players actually know how to play you've got a couple of people on on the field maybe that know how to play but your coach doesn't like who would be a part of that that sounds like an awful awful game to play
0: your coach doesn't know how to play that that hit
1: home but that's where we are like in the church we've got our leaders you know and and the people in ministry who who aren't disciples who don't have a real relationship with Jesus and and we're upset that people don't want to play with us. <laughs> Was, yeah. You know, and it's like, if you were, if you were coaching a baseball team and you didn't know how to play baseball, no one wants to be on your team. Sorry.
0: <laughs> if you're mad at sports, you're wrong. So you should feel miserable for yourself <laughs> or maybe just let's get into some practical, some of the how, cause I think that's important as well. All right. One thing that has worked really good, obviously we want to go to where they're at. Right. And so regardless, like there's something beautiful about our need to connect with parents and that our need to celebrate the youth and celebrating the youth by going to their sporting event is awesome. But what are you going to do? You're not going to run around on the field and play in their sport. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to sit in the stands or stand on the sideline. Who should you be standing next to their parents? Yep. Absolutely. Or other youth. If it's like Friday night lights, a Friday night football game, go be bold enough to spend some time in the student section and then go back and make your way through the parents section. Like I've done that for years and it's been absolutely amazing. But bonding with parents, if you want to gain a lot of uh, relational authority with a parent. Go sit next to them and cheer their child on in any context, and they will, they, will, they will follow you to the ends of the earth.
1: So I'm wrestling with this answer. The answer to this and the practicals to this is like discipleship and evangelization 101. Relationship building. Start developing a relationship to a point where you can actually start having conversations with them about their relationship with God, if they have one. And then once you're at that point, then maybe they start listening to you and listening to what you have to say about him. And then maybe they, they're attracted to that relationship and they, and they want to have that relationship themselves. So you lead them through prayer and making that initial conversion, that initial commitment to conversion. And then they want more. They, they want to learn more. They want to be discipled. They, they want it to impact their lives. That may not be what you're looking for, Chris, as far as the practicals, but that's what we're looking at. Like, what is, like, that's the answer to this is make more disciples.
0: Yes, but the question is how when they're not coming to your facility? And it's to, the answer is to go to where they're at. Yeah. And I guess what I'm saying is you can make disciples not just of the youth, but also of the parents in the same action, in the same action, because Ultimately, you want to start with the threshold of trust, you know, and I know there's a lot of different models, but Sherry Waddell talks about how they follow a person before that person, before they follow Jesus, but that person should lead them to Jesus. You going to their sport sporting event or to, you know, their child's sporting event is going to build that threshold of trust, even if it's not you, like empower your volunteers. In fact, we had, we had a, a policy of six points of contact and we expected the, the, the volunteer team to have six points of contact with the youth every single month. Now, four of those were up at the church, ideally, that they would come and meet in small group, but two of them twice a month that they would have a point of contact outside of the context of our Sunday evening youth program, right, yeah. and so sporting events. This is why we purchased core team shirts for all of our volunteers. It wasn't so that they could look like they were in a good uniform on Sunday evenings. It was so when they went to the sporting events, they would represent the church as a whole. And so to really be thinking about how can we be strategic and intentional about it.
1: So what I'm getting at with regards to that is, so sports is a segment of people that we want to make disciples of. Correct. Even if we look at our parish boundary map and we see one neighborhood that is not represented very well at all in like our membership our parish membership or attendance or whatever, we have zero like people from this area. So what are you going to do, you know, to, to do outreach to that area? There's a ton of different things you can do to be on the ground in that neighborhood. Um, right. To well, I guess know people in that neighborhood. I think by focusing on sports, it's like a small subsection of what we should be doing. And so this is a strategy. These are potential strategies for how to do outreach and build relationships with that segment of the population of parishioners that go to your parish.
0: The whole point is as we're talking about sports versus church, the idea is that we have made sports an enemy or a foe for so long and I want people to make sports an ally in their ministry. Yeah. Right, right? an ally. And and there is there are some dangers because another thing you can do is actually engage the youth in their athletic abilities while they're up at the church. And there's summer programming that you can do to where we used to have a softball team that was really awesome. And we had kids of all athletic abilities show up, but the ones that were more skilled in baseball and softball, they would actually take some of the noobs under their wing to be able to teach them. And that's a different type of discipleship. You just yeah. taught them how to throw a ball. yeah. And, and, and now you know a little bit about how to pray. Do the same thing. Teach them how to throw a spiritual ball. Like, let's see if we can develop some leadership there as well. And one thing that's happening at one parish is they're doing kickball because anyone can play kickball. Like, yeah. they're trying to make it more and more accessible. Because if you're like, yeah, we're going to do curling. Maybe you live up north and we're going to do <laughs> curling. And you're like, well, hardly anyone knows how to do that. Try and try and cast a wide net when you're yeah. doing some of these athletic events and things. But uh, but don't, don't shy away from that. Like, there are athletes out there that would love to play a game of dodgeball or to play a game of uh softball or something like that. And sometimes that competitiveness can be a stumbling block and that's a teachable moment, but don't shy away from, from sports in the midst of your ministry, because I think that that's a great opportunity to start making those connections.
1: Well, and whatever it is that we see as our enemy with regards to taking the time like of the youth or the people, like whoever it is we're trying to reach outreach to, how is it that we can flip that around? You know, because I see video games is one thing that people see the youth investing a ton of time in.
0: I prefer the term esports. <laughs>
1: sure, esports, e- but like, how hard would it be? And again, I don't, I don't know. This would be a really interesting thought, but to put on some sort of tournament where it's it's a public thing, you invite kids from the neighborhood to come, and just have a tournament on different sports like different eSports or whatever whether it's car soccer what's there? rocket
0: League we did that we did a rocket league event at our church and it was it was hugely well attended and the team with one person who was excellent ended up winning it all we had uh we got the big projectors up in the parish hall and we had side TVs so people could practice before they were on the big screen or whatever it was it was really cool and people really enjoyed it but at the end of the day it was like so cool to see That some of the teens that were okay at Rocket League were like, no, no, this is how you're supposed to go for the ball. And they were being mentored by the teens that lived Rocket League. And it gave some of these video game people a chance to shine, whereas some of the muscle heads would have only shined if we did a three-on-three basketball tournament or something like that. (laughs)
1: Like some of the relational ministry, like 101, is having an experience in common that you can talk about. Like if you want to be friends with someone, you need to have common experiences. So the next time you all hang out, you have something to talk about. And so creating a moment like this where you think, well, there's no catechesis going on at this event. There's no teaching. There's no church or whatever. That's okay because what you're doing is you're creating like something to talk about when you see them at the next event whether whatever it is. whether it's at their sports event and you can ask them, you know, you can talk to them about, Oh man, last time I saw you play, you know, this happened or whatever. So you're creating moments like this and that can happen with sports that can happen with anything, but you need, you have to have shared experiences to be be able to actually have a
0: conversation with someone. So two more quick points. One is, uh, don't be afraid to engage the parents as well. Yep. And in regards to that, we had some parents that were like going to volleyball tournaments all the time and they would miss their Sunday evening check mark for their attendance points and things like that. Well, I finally was like, what do you think we should do? Because the mom's like, I'm going to miss like half the sessions because I'm, you know, she's going to miss half the sessions because of volleyball. I'm like, what do you think we should do? She's like, well, I don't know. But if I could do some of the formation while we're away, that'd be great. So I gave her some of the curriculum. And they popped a DVD in their van. So I guess is back when vehicles had DVD players in them, you know, popped a DVD in their van. The mom would be driving and listening. The girl and two of her teammates that were driving with her, one of whom wasn't even Catholic, would be consuming the material. And then they would do discussion group in the car on the drive back from Dallas or whatever. Yep. Like that is awesome. Absolutely amazing. But it didn't happen until we had conversation of like, and I said, I think that God delights in your daughter's volleyball. Yep, I think that he is proud of her and her volleyball, and I want to support you in that. We still need to do the formation. So what do you recommend? And I would just pitch it to the parent. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I've seen parents say, well, you know, this other parish nearby has Wednesday evening catechesis, maybe we could go over there. But a couple of the parents have said, well, we'll do it. Is there a way that we could do it while we're traveling to these events? And I was like, brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. the second thing, and this is my favorite that I am uh, almost officially aged out of, but don't be afraid to use your own athletic ability to <laughs> uh, to dive in. The color of money, right? Have you ever seen that movie? It's about probably Tom Cruise, and he's going around and he's pool sharking people, essentially, right? Okay, and 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 hustling people. And don't be afraid to hustle. So this the same basketball player Matthew. He ended up once he got confirmed just disappearing. And so I was like, Matthew, I can beat you in basketball. He's like, there's no way you can beat me in basketball. <laughs> I said, then let's make this interesting. I said, let's meet up at the church, um, uh, you know, 45 minutes before our next discipleship group, because he was still coming to the discipleship group. And I said, and I'll give you $20 if you can beat me in a game to 11. I said, but if I beat you, you have to attend four Sunday evening sessions before the end of the year. And there were (laughs) eight left. So it's basically every other one. Yep. And I didn't wipe the floor with him, but I made some shots that I shouldn't have. And the Holy (laughs) Spirit totally brought it home. And he ended up honoring that. And he came to youth group about half the time for the rest of the year because of that little bet. And that was because I entered into his world. His favorite sport was basketball. And I entered into it. And I'm also PS six foot three. So it helps.
1: Yeah, the height helps. So yeah, I agree, Chris. And I think that ministry leaders out there will see kind of what we're saying and and be able to apply it across all different realms. Because every human, every person has something that they are passionate about, and they're willing to invest their time in. And if we see that as I don't know, an obstacle, you know, as something that is not God given, you know, in, in many realms, I'm sure there's some that are not God given, but you know, if we don't see that as like something that God delights in them, in what they do, then like, we're looking at it in the wrong way. We need to take another look at the things that the people that we serve are passionate about. And instead of fighting against them, lean
0: into them. Amen. Yeah. And there's, there's so many different ways to do that. And it's so important to note, you can do fifth quarter, like after the Friday night lights to, to host an event there, you can journey with them in so many different ways. So don't be afraid to get creative in the way that you engage sports, but ally partner with sports. Don't make it your enemy. And if you have some resentment, I want to let you know, I have it too, but we just need to kind of give it over to God and ask God how we can utilize it. So you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online.
1: Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone.
0: And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone.
1: And if you want to go far, we go together.
0: Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and look in your schedule how you can get to a sporting event. I know the pandemic made it impossible to attend some of these things. Let's go ahead and figure out how we can reintegrate ourselves into celebrating those that we serve on their own turf.
1: We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous.
0: And God bless you,